fantastic music. Hey, give the Lord a hand, would you again, please? All right, well, let's get right to it. Let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, this is called the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ. Now, we're, we're coming into this week, and, and uh, we're, we're a week ahead. So this coming Sunday, if you will, that would be, that would be the time of the triumphant entry, and that's when Jesus uh, coming to Jerusalem. Remember, we're going to be reading about it here in a minute, about riding that donkey and coming in peace. And uh, we see the crowd of people, ex- you know, just uh, uh, accepting him when he comes. But um, about this time, this triumphant entry in, in our text, again, we see that Jesus here enters Jerusalem. And we, we understand that Jesus has all the credentials of being the Messiah. Everybody say amen. He, he has every credential. He's fulfilled every prophecy of the Old Testament. I mean, and all these people in the streets would have heard about all the miracles and all the prophecy that he fulfilled. And so here are these thousands of people in the streets, and they're waving these palm branches, and they're receiving the Messiah to come in. And so in kind of a way here, we see that um, in these people's minds, they are kind of coronating him as the Messiah. But they do it without faith. And they do it without knowing some true things in their heart about Jesus Christ. And so this coronation day, I guess, in in their hearts is a false coronation because like many of people in our day, we don't know what we're doing or how we're doing it, and we're not really coronating him as king of our lives. Does that make sense, everybody? All right, so let me, let me ask you this. Uh, how many, um, how many, um, how many um, homecoming queens do we have in our room here, up in here? How many homecoming queens? Stand up if you're a homecoming queen. Homecoming queens. All right, hold on, stand up. Keep standing up, Phyllis, okay? Tommy, how come you're not standing? Because I only marry the best, so stand, stand up. Stand up. All right, very good. She's so embarrassed. I don't know why. All right, and uh, another one back here. So, so homecoming queens. Now, now, Tommy was homecoming queen in 1986. I won't ask you ladies to when you was homecoming. I'll ask you, Phyllis, what year was you homecoming queen? Is it 86, Tommy? Yeah, Okay. Okay, very good. And I won't ask you because I don't really know you that well. I don't want to... What is it? 83. All right, go ahead and sit down, ladies. Okay, okay. And then how many uh, prom kings do we have up in here? Prom kings. If anybody stands up, I don't know whether to congratulate you or make fun of you, but go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, hold on. I'm not going to make fun of anybody. Carrie, you're looking at your man over there, so I don't know. Okay. All right. Okay. So, so good. Again, I didn't know if I was going to congratulate you or make fun of you, but so, so we're past that. But here's the thing is, uh, you know, homecoming queen, 1982, 1983, whatever it is, 1986, you were still, you know, the homecoming queen of that year. You were coronated and you were crowned, weren't you? Yeah. So I just want to talk about this a little bit. We understand what coronation is, and it's usually reserved for monarchs and kings and such. But um, but um, but uh, but coronations are never unexpected, and that's what we see in our text here. In a minute, we're going to read about it. I just want you to get this. Um, coronations aren't aren't unexpected. They aren't unplanned. They aren't unofficial. They aren't spontaneous. They aren't superficial. They aren't temporary. But this this day was all of that. 
The true coronation of Christ has two parts, and one has already happened. The true coronation, and that's when Jesus ascended to heaven, and he sits, now he sits next to the right hand of God. That's, that's, that's his heavenly coronation. And then we know that one day that uh, we are going to see Jesus' heavenly coronation, or earthly coronation, excuse me, and that when he comes back to earth, not riding on a donkey, not riding a young colt, but the Bible says in the book of Revelation chapter 19 that he's going to be riding on a great white horse and he will come and he will judge all sin and all man and he will set his kingdom up for eternity and forever everybody say amen to that and so we know the true coronations here um but just like in our text and we'll read it here in just a minute people repeatedly make false coronations and let me just give you a real real let me just give it to you real simple and that is today, if Jesus doesn't do what the sinner wants Jesus to do, the sinner is going to turn on him. Now, hold on. If Jesus doesn't do what the sinner wants Jesus to do, the sinner will turn on him. And that's what exactly what we see in our text we'll be reading about here in a minute. And let's just say this. False coronations like this go on every day, and it happens all the time. Listen, we can just, just turn on our radios or our televisions, and we can listen to preachers or people with this prosperity gospel, and they say, Jesus, make me rich, and Jesus, heal me, and Jesus, will you give me all the dreams? Jesus, fulfill all my desires. And look, I will tell you that, that this will continue until Jesus does deliver, and all the goods and the fallen sinner will turn on Jesus Christ every time. That's why the prosperity gospel and the message is so dangerous. It lies because it promises the sinner. Listen to this. It's because it promises the sinner what the fallen sinner already wants in his corrupt condition. You see, we're going to read it here in a minute, but all these people in their fallen state were just wanting what their fallen state wanted. That's not what Jesus came to do. What a true believer wants, and when someone accepts Jesus Christ and coronates him as their king, what the true believer wants is what will glorify God, what honors God, and what will increase his attractiveness to people that are around us. That's, that's, that's what it really means, coronating Jesus Christ as our king. And so as Jesus rode into Jerusalem, the crowds were just accepting him with his false coronation. Look with me at Luke chapter 19. And let's read this text together. Verse 28. And so we see here that he approaches and he says to his disciples, and we look at verse 30, he says, go into the village ahead of you. And he says, and as you enter, you will find a colt. That's a young donkey tied on which no one yet has ever sat. Um, and he says, untie it. And he says, bring it to me. If anyone asks you why you were untying it, you shall say, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found it, just as he had told them, as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying this colt? They said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and they threw their coats on the colt and put Jesus on it. And as he was going... They were spreading their coats on the road. Well, who's they? It's those, the Jews. It's the people there in Jerusalem. Remember, this is Passover time, and there have been, you know, millions of people there. And in these streets, I can imagine tens of thousands of people, you see. 
In verse 37, it says, as soon as he was approaching near the, near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen, shouting, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in, in, in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered, and this is what he said. He said, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it, saying, if you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes for the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you on every side. And they will level you to the ground and your children within you, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning, and we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for, for becoming sin for us. And as we approach Easter, Lord, we understand this morning that the gospel changes everything. We understand the good news of Jesus, and when a believer truly trusts in, in you, Lord, that uh, everything certainly changes. And Lord, we pray this morning for anyone here that doesn't know Christ as Savior, that Lord, this morning, that they'll come to that saving knowledge and truth that Jesus Christ is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, that he's God incarnate, that he died for each one of our sins, and that by believing in him and in, with our heart and bowing our heart, and not just some superficial coronation, but truly crowning you in our life, King, Lord, that we can have everlasting life that's in, that's in control by you and not by us. We love you and we give you praise in your holy name. Amen. Well, let me bring your attention to this text. And so we see it starting and the crowds are cheering, right? But, you know, if we kept reading here in the text, that soon the crowds quit cheering. And I wonder why. So this morning, I want to look at just several things of, of, of why the cheering stopped. You know, it's amazing that when things go our way, you know, when God does what we want, when Jesus rises to our cause, it's easy to cheer. But what about when he doesn't do these things? What happens when you face suppression? What happens when you, when you experience troubles you know, too often, I think, and the cheering uh, comes to a stop in our lives. Would you say that's true, guys? It quickly fades, and we're sometimes like these people. And look, sometimes God does not give us what we want, but you, be but you better believe he always gives us what we need. So let's look at three reasons this morning, you know, why the cheering stopped and make some application for us this morning so three reasons. Number one, number one, they did not recognize the purpose of Jesus Christ. Write that down. They, they didn't recognize the purpose of Jesus. I mean, they started off good. They, they stood out there and putting their coats down, and he's riding in on a donkey, and, and that means that he come in peace, and they are waving the palm branch, you know, which was a, you know, a national symbol of Israel, and that also meant they were receiving him. And the cheering was great, and they were, they were, they were chanting, Hosanna, Hosanna, and, and here's the Lord. And I mean, they're, they're saying all the right things, but soon... 
The cheering stopped. Look at verse 44. And here's, here's, here's why. It says, he says in verse 44, because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. So the word visitation literally means to relieve. Uh, write that in your margin. It means to relieve. It means, it means to bring peace. That is talking about salvation was right before them. Here was Christ, and, he, and he's the Messiah, and he comes to bring eternal peace. They have him right in front of them, and they can't even see it. They don't understand his purpose. And so you see the irony here. Again, this group of people desiring relief and salvation from oppression, but they're failing to see the opportunity that's right in front of them. And these people were looking for the kingdom of God, and Jesus had already told them that the kingdom is already in their presence because he is God. And they were aware of his claims to be the son of God. They were, they were witness to his, to his great many miracles, but they could not see Jesus' purpose because they had their eyes, listen, on their immediate circumstances instead of their, of their future need. You see it? You know? I mean, all they could see that is, was that they were in bondage to these Romans and that they just they, they they wanted Jesus to come in and they wanted to put some troops together and to go in to the palace and eradicate the Romans and that's all that they could see that they were in bondage to these Romans and they wanted out of that they couldn't they couldn't they couldn't understand the true purpose because they knew the true purpose because it's all over the Old Testament that the Messiah would come and, and give salvation but all they could all they couldn't get past their listen their current condition. You know, I think that's sometimes true in a lot of our lives. Listen close. I think for some of us maybe this morning, you know, that, that we started off good and we was cheering, but now the cheering has stopped because somehow we forgot the purpose that God plays in our lives and we have somehow put this other purpose on him and because he's not delivering, then our cheering has stopped. Well, God, you know, I didn't get this raise at work. You know, you know God, you know, my, my husband left me. You know, you know, God, please, please make this happen, and please make that happen. And and all this time, you know, we 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 we, we lose focus and purpose that that God is just a, a fairy. He's just a, a a lucky charm. He's just some kind of genie that's supposed to grant me all my wishes. And you don't get those things. And what happens is is that all the cheering stops. And then your relationship with him just finally just gradually just grows apart and grows apart. You don't lose your salvation, but your cheering stops. I mean, I'm sure we could say if that's ever happened to you or if that's happened to you, probably a lot of us, if, if we're honest and humble, we would raise our hands. But listen, guys, uh, I love you, and I want God's greatest blessings on you, but never forget the true purpose of Jesus Christ. And it wasn't to eradicate all your problems, but instead, it's to eradicate the punishment of sin. And that's what he's done. He's eradicated your punishment of sin if you bowed your heart and caught upon him to be your Lord and your master and your savior. If you truly coronated him in your life. Because he didn't come to save us from all the troubles and from your current circumstances he come to eradicate sin from your life. Aren't you glad he did that? The penalty of sin. 
So they failed to recognize his purpose. Instead of, Lord, mold me and use me and grow me through these things, change me, and you get the glory, Lord, help me do this and do that. And there's nothing wrong with asking God to do that, but if you just know the main purpose, that God's main purpose is to eradicate sin. But sadly, when we let it get that way and we forget the purpose, it has the effect, and that's when the cheering stops. Now, in that time, you lose sight of him and his purpose, and you diminish in your worship of him. You, you go through the motions of service, and you praise him for what you want him to do instead of praising him for who he is. And just like that, the crowd, you do not recognize the Lord's purpose. And again, the cheering stops. But look, Jesus has eradicated our sin. Aren't you excited about that? Amen? He, he, look, he didn't come to buy, he, he, did, he didn't come to be your slave. He come to eradicate the penalty of sin. All right, that's number one. So focus on the right, pers- right, focus on the right purpose. Everybody give the Lord a hand. Come on. So this Easter, this Easter, and as we think about the gospel and the gospel changes, I mean, the gospel changes things, right, Clifford? I mean, I mean, Jesus changes things, and we can expect him to. But remember, always that, that number one purpose is, is that he come to eradicate sin. That's his purpose. Look, he, he's going to change things in your life. He's going to give you blessings, and he's going to give you grandchildren. He's going to give you houses, and he's going to do those things. But never get caught up and let that be the reason that you cheer, that, you're, that, that, you, that you love him and are intimate with him. Don't let that be what all your worship is about. Worship him because he deserves worship, because he is God. He is the true God, and he came to this earth to save us. And remember this Easter, and it's all about the gospel changes. The gospel can change anyone's life, but the greatest change that happens is, is that we're headed to hell, but now because of him, we're headed to heaven, eternity, abundant life in Jesus Christ. That's the main purpose, and never lose sight of that. And so number two, the second reason that uh, the cheering stop was is that they refused to accept his terms. Now, closely related, but it's different. Look at verse 42. It says, If you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. This is a judgment, and we'll look at that next. But look at this first part. If you had known in this day the things which make for peace. You know, if you were to look at the word known... And that's an important word here in this text. You need to realize that it's not used in the sense of being aware of something or having just knowledge of something. And, and this word is very important. It's a very heavy word of the text here. And, and it, but it, it, it speaks of approval. Okay? This word known speaks of approval. Um, if you have approved, if you had known in this day the things which make for peace... You know, it's not just knowing that Jesus did some miracles, but it's approved in your heart is what he's saying, that you really know these things. It's all, this word is also used in Matthew 7, 23. Let me just read that to you because I think it will help you make sense of what Jesus is saying to him here in this text. It, Jesus said, depart from me, for I never knew you. Now, 
Certainly, Jesus knows everybody, right? He knows you, Denise, and he knows you, Dimitri, and he, he knows all of us. He, 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 the Bible says he knows how many hairs on our head. I mean, he knows about us. And so it literally means this. Even though I know you and I'm aware of every little detail about you, he's saying that you must depart from me because I do not approve of you. That's what that text is talking about. In other words, he doesn't approve of you because of what he knows what your heart is and whether or not you truly know him or not. Everybody get that? And this is the same way it's used in our text in verse 42. Look, the people in Jerusalem desired peace, but wanted it to come through conflict. They wanted it to come through war, um, like through an earthly king. And, and, And listen, here's the application on that. How often do we as Christians do the same thing? We want peace, we want blessings, but at the same time, we want to do things our way in order to get them. In essence, the attitude is, God, I want peace and blessings, and I'm going to do this and that and the other because that's how I want to handle it. And Lord, your job is just to bless me in my actions. We want to do it on our terms. A lot of people want to come to salvation on their terms. But, But there's only one term that we're to meet, and that's the terms that God has set out. So the cheering stops because we don't want to accept his terms. I mean, Jesus is there, he's the Messiah, and, 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 but, but their, term, their, their terms are, you come, Jesus, and you come get the troops together, and, and let's go make war with Rome, and you set us free from these, from these tyrants, these Romans, and so we can be free. But Jesus, that's not, that wasn't his terms. His terms was to come to die for their sins. And he's told them, and he's told them, but they still couldn't hear it because they wanted Jesus to be what they wanted Jesus to be. They, we're going to do this, and Lord, you just bless what we're going to do. And we do that all the time, don't we? You know, God, I'm, I'm going to go do this, and I, you just come behind me and bless whatever I do. No, we, we need to make sure that we get back and that we, that we are a blessing to God, and we're underneath his terms. And we do things holy to him, not what we think is right. So a lot of times the cheering stops in our lives and we, be, we, we grow distant from God's is because we try to do everything in our terms. We think that salvation should be like this. We think that sanctification and our walk with God should be like this. We think that we should be able to go and do whatever we want to do and God just come behind us and bless us and God doesn't. So we say, why am I doing this anymore? It's not working. And we just fade away from God. We want to cuss like sailors. And we say, where's God? Because we want it on our terms. You want to sit and watch pornography, but then you want God to bless you. Listen to me. It doesn't work that way. You want to yell and scream and be angry at people and be rude and be crude. It doesn't work that way. That's your terms. There's not God's terms. Get over it and get about it and get doing it God's way, and then you'll be blessed by God, and your cheering will never stop. Give the Lord a hand, will you? You know, we don't have to, to guess God's will for us. We have it right here in black and white and red, don't we? The Word of God. It's a treasure. It's an instruction for us that he gives us. So let's just not do things on our terms. Let's do things on his terms. And I, can, I promise you this, there'll be a lot more unity. Be a, <laughs> it'd be a lot easier doing, doing ministry together, and a lot more people will be getting saved for the glory of Jesus Christ. Am I right? So it's his terms. It's not our terms. Number three, and this is it. Um, they did not realize 
<laughs> that it would bring judgment. This is the saddest part about the whole thing. You know, Jesus described the future judgment of Jerusalem in, the, in, 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 in this passage. And we see that in verses 42 to 44, and we've already read it. But they had been warned. They knew the terms. They knew his purpose. They knew who Jesus was, but they refused to accept these things. And so it brought judgment. Look at it. It was hidden from their eyes. That's, that's the judgment. I mean, Jesus says, here I am. They wouldn't accept his purpose. They, 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 they wouldn't accept his terms. And, you know, Romans chapter 1 says that, you know, at some point, even for us today, that if we always want it on our, on our terms and we just want it for a different purpose, that God says that he'll turn that reprobate over to themselves. It's just God's word. Listen, the Bible says that it's not God's will for any man to perish, but all had everlasting life. We know that the blood of Jesus Christ, that atoning can be for everyone and anyone, but you've got to be on his terms and you've got to know his purpose. I think about this immediate judgment um, upon um, these people in that time because he said in the text that not one rock will be unturned. And just 30-something years after this time period, history, history records in 70 A.D. the fall of Jerusalem. A Roman general named Titus set siege against Jerusalem because they did finally revolt, the Jews. See, they wanted to do it their way and not God's way. Because of that, that judgment came. According to the historian Josephus, over one, million, over one million Jews were killed, and he recorded that the blood flowed down the, down the steps leading up to the temple, just like it was a river of water. The temple was destroyed. Um, things happened just as Jesus said they would. It was because they would not recognize his purpose, and they refused to accept his terms, and so judgment fell upon them. It was God who said, you are done. Verse, 40, verse 42, hidden from your eyes. They knew his claim. They knew his terms, but they would have no more opportunity to accept him. They wanted it to be their way, and so the cheering stopped with one more silencing blow, the judgment. So how does that apply to us? Well, first... Listen, you cannot approach God on your own terms. You cannot have your own purpose. And you must come through Jesus Christ. Right? Everybody say amen. But second is you cannot come to him in your own time. Do you understand that? No man comes to me, the Bible says, unless the Father draw them. And everyone is drawn to him. But you see what happens so often is that we, we get so used to having it on our terms and wanting God to follow us around and, and I'll get saved because of this or I'll get saved but God, you know. But, but, but what happens sometimes is, is that we, 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 we get, our hearts become, become hardened to the gospel and it doesn't penetrate anymore. 
but there's a God's timing, and we know that for, for all men, all women, is called to be saved. And so when you come to him, you must accept his claims. Look, Jesus is the sacrifice for sin, the Lord and Savior. And if you refuse these things, you may nail the coffin and your opportunity shut. And all that will be left for you to hear is, it's too late. Because we know that after, after, after this life is over, it's the second death. You know, there's the first death and the second death. And after the first death, there's no second chances. It's now. And so this morning we'll just end with this. Is, 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 maybe you're here this morning and you're not truly saved. And I'm praying that because of the word of God and that God is speaking to your hearts, and maybe now is the time. See, too often we say, well, I'm just going to wait. And see, I hear people say this, and I heard this, I've heard this, and that they say, well, I need to do this and do that and do this and fix this and fix that and fix this before I give my life to Jesus Christ. No, you see, that's what Jesus does. You know, when we, when, we, when we truthfully, you know, surrender ourselves to him and mortify and put to death ourselves and crown him, that coronation as Lord of our lives, he changes us from the inside and out. It doesn't mean that you're never going to make mistakes again you're going to, but it means that you have the opportunity of forgiveness and you always have eternal life because God is sovereign in our salvation. That means he doesn't need your help. But that's often what we do is we say, I, want to, I need to do this and do that and do this before I can do this. Or, we, or people say, well, I really want to do this for a little bit longer. You know, this is a really serious thing, and I'm not ready to make that decision. It's in God's timing. If God is speaking to your hearts, then listen, now's the time to accept it because we don't know if even tomorrow is going to exist. I mean, everybody, everybody listen, we're just about done here, but do we understand the gravity of this? Do we understand that, that there's, nothing, there's nothing in the way of, of, the, of the rapture happening? Do you understand that, that once the rapture happens, the church is out and called away? Do we understand that? And yes, people can get saved in that seven years of tribulation, the three and a half years of peace and three and a half years of terror, and then we know the thousand-year reign and then eternity. But but if the church is called out, you know, that means the Holy Spirit is out. Do, Do we get it? And so we don't. What I'm saying is, is there's nothing, nothing, nothing needs to happen for the rapture to happen. I mean, in the next second, Jesus could rapture. Because, because all prophecy has been fulfilled. The only prophecy that hasn't been fulfilled is the church being called up, and that's us. It's not this building. It's the born-again believers, whether you're Methodist or Baptist or, or, or Catholic, whatever you are. If you're a Christian, if you're a born-again believer, you're the body of Christ. You're the church. And, and so, so we don't even know tomorrow's promised to us. So if he's calling... You need to accept. Yes? And then Christians, if your cheering has stopped, you better look back and make sure that, 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 that you know his purpose and that you're on his terms. Because if you're not, your cheering is going to stop and your heart's going to be hardened and you're not living the way that God wants you to live. Amen? Okay. Father, we love you this morning. And Lord, um, I pray... Um, every day 
that our cheering um, continues and that it increases. And cheering that we mean that we live to bring you glory and honor. And Lord, and the purpose that you come was not to give us everything that we want because we know that you'll give us everything we need. Just like our church and, and as we unite our ministries together, we know that you're going to take care of us. And as long as we're putting the main thing, the main thing in our purpose, the saving power of Jesus, you're going to provide for every need of this corporate body of believers. We believe that and we trust that. We write the ones and you write the zeros. You bring the people and we disciple them. We keep the main thing, the main thing. And Lord, for us individually, Lord, we just want to make sure that, that in our hearts that we know that, that, that we're, we are truly focusing on that purpose that you, that you have, that you have taking sin out, that you have, that you have overcome that for us. And that Lord, that through you, that we can have everlasting life with you. And Lord, I pray that we also are doing it by your terms and not on ours, that we're not asking you to follow us around, that, Lord, that your terms are to come to you and that, Lord, we're to glorify you in our lives. Lord, I pray if there's one here that's never accepted Christ, that, that Lord, that, that you'll speak loud into their hearts and to their mind and that they'll think about eternal things. Lord, may you have your way in all of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So everyone stand, please.